The reading this morning is actually not as it appears on the order of assembly. Uh, The reading that Peter has chosen for the lesson this morning is taken from Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27. It's Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27, page 452 in your pew Bible. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. All right, so it's easier than ever to reach a large audience, uh, but it's somehow harder than ever to really connect with it. Uh, We have access to over 1 trillion web pages, 65,000 iPhone apps, 10,500 radio stations, 5,500 magazines, and 200 plus cable TV networks. Uh, There are over 240 million TVs in the U.S. alone. There's 2 million of those that are in bathrooms. Uh, There's more video uploaded to YouTube in the last month than if NBC, ABC, and CBS had been airing new content 24-7, 365 since 19... Oh, just one second. Sorry. Hello? Oh, hey. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just preaching here. Okay. All right, I'll call you later. It's all right. Make sure I shut that off now. Um, Where was I? Uh, These old TV networks, they get approximately uh, 10 million viewers each month. Uh, Sorry, 10 million unique viewers. Uh, Compared to brand new online social networking sites like MySpace, YouTube, Facebook, they get 250 million unique visitors every single month. Wikipedia launched in 2001, and it now features over 13 million articles in over 200 languages. There's a guy in Singapore, this is crazy, he typed a Guinness World Record four characters per second while texting. Like, if you ever text me, if I don't reply within about five minutes, it's not because I'm not replying, it's because I'm typing my two-word reply. Uh, one... There's actually, sorry, I just skipped one. Average American teen sends and receives 2,272 texts per month. Uh, One teen actually did send 217,541 texts in one month in March of last year. Uh, Right now, there's 93% of U.S. adults that own a cell phone. Uh, 90% of the 200 billion emails sent every day, 200 billion emails that are sent every day are spam. So just uh, 180 billion that are spam and only 20 billion legitimate emails. Um, This phone I just answered my phone call very rudely on and interrupted my communication with you with. Uh, This is called an iPhone 4. Um, You may have heard of the iPhone before. The iPhone was uh, presented or unveiled about four or five years ago. I think that's right. And it was presented uh, and unveiled by a man named Steve Jobs, one of the CEOs of Apple. Uh, You may have heard of him. But he was standing on the stage. There's a video you can actually watch right now on YouTube. 
that where he is uh, presenting the iPhone. He's presenting it to the world. And so he's on stage, and there's a large crowd, uh, thousands of people, and he presents three different devices that Apple's now created, okay? So there's three devices. One is an Apple iPod Touch with a wide screen, and the crowd just went crazy. <sighs> like the, the Flames that just scored a goal, or for me, the Canucks have just scored a goal. Um, second device that they were about to unveil was a revolutionary cell phone, and rah, the crowd went crazy again. The third device uh, was an internet email, a mobile email and internet device, and the crowd went crazy. And then a very slick uh, presenter took these three devices and presented and unveiled that these aren't three devices, it's actually three different things on one device, the iPhone. And the crowd is like the flames had now won the Stanley Cup. And I don't know what the celebration was about. I don't know if they're all Apple stockholders. <laughs> that was their celebration. Um, but they just lost their minds. But I just want to talk about the iPhone for just a minute. Okay, this is the iPhone 4. This is the newest iPhone. They've just put it out here this year. Um, this is not only an Apple iPod Touch with 32 gigabytes of memory, which kind of blows my mind. It's touch screen. You can just touch it and surf your way around. Eva can actually find her way around this phone. Uh, but it's also uh, a cell phone. They turned an iPod into a cell phone. Wow. Um, it's an email, internet, mobile. It's basically a small home computer. Uh, for the last week, I, don't, I haven't really touched a normal computer, even though this is Chelsea's. Um, it's incredible. Beyond that, beyond these three things, which they first created, this is now a 5-megapixel camera. It has flash. It has zoom. Uh, it's actually a very good camera. Uh, beyond that, it's also an HD video camera. So it actually takes HD quality 720p video with this. 32 gigabytes of memory. You can, you can take hours and hours of video. It's an incredible device. And I'm not trying to get you to all go out today and buy iPhones. <laughs> uh, what am I trying to get at here? Um, I'm trying to get at a very obvious point that I think we're all well aware of, um, but I wanted to remind of us all of this morning, and that's that the world is changing. The chances are, if you're more than five years old, you know, any of us above the age of five here, if you're more than five or six years old, you're now living in a completely different world than the one you were born into. Uh, different social networking sites, which are the most commonly used and probably consume most of North American person's time, like Facebook, like YouTube, like Twitter, all these things. These were only created and invented about five or six years ago. So we're living in a different world than we used to. We are all living in a different world than we did five or six years ago. There's voices everywhere, is there not, in our world? Uh, there's voices and distractions. There's things to take your attention, whether it's billboards or whether it's it's your Facebook, whether it's catching up on Twitter on what Joe Smith is doing over in Iraq or wherever he is, this person you don't even know and you have to keep, keep in touch with and keep track of. There's voices uh, and distractions everywhere in our world. Um, it's safe to say that most of our minds and our hearts on a daily basis are consumed by a lot of different things. Um, it's hard for us to have focus in life and not be... Uh, spinning in circles each day. Uh, have you ever been talking to somebody and had them kind of half listening to you as they're texting on their cell phone or maybe checking their email? 
um, just kind of half listening. I have a friend who I, I went to high school with, and I saw him a few years ago, and he came to visit me. I hadn't seen him for over two years, and he came to visit me here in Calgary. We're sitting downstairs in our, in our, on our couches visiting for the first time in years, one of my great friends. And this entire evening, I'm not even exaggerating, he had his iPhone out. He had just gotten it, I guess. But he had his iPhone out, and this entire time as we're having a conversation, trying to catch up on life, he's scrolling through, and his, it kept buzzing and going off. And so he'd get there, and in the middle of our conversation, as he's even talking, he's writing emails or texts or whatever it was he's doing. At one point, I actually looked down, and I saw the TSN website on his phone. So he's, like, checking scores. I, so I asked him what the scores were. Um, but he's just pretty much just half listening to me. I couldn't help but feel a little bit unimportant, uh, maybe a little bit like this visit wasn't as significant to him as it was to me. Uh, I was competing for his attention and his time. Another perfect example of this uh, is last weekend. Uh, for Chelsea and I, one of the greatest things we've had in our marriage is road trips. It's traveling together. Uh, we get to be locked in a car together for hours at a time, uh, with with no distractions, unless we have now we have kids, we have a few distractions in the car. Uh, but we get it's one of the best times we have to connect and just talk. We have nothing else to do but just to visit and talk with one another. And so we've had great great conversations, great connecting with each other. It's been good for our marriage and our friendship. Um, so last weekend we're traveling back from Saskatchewan, a long straight drive back from Saskatchewan, and I began. I kind of turned the music down a bit and started, you know. But I thought, oh, man, I want to get into this conversation, talk, talk to Chelsea. This is going to be a great conversation. started talking for a little while, and it got to a point in my conversation where I was done, and it warranted a response from Chelsea, and there was no response. And so I, my first assumption is she's sleeping. That happens quite often where I'm just talking and find out she's asleep. Uh, that's not a lie either. That's totally true. Um, but I turned around, and she wasn't sleeping. She was on her cell phone. So we're driving down the highway in the middle of nowhere, and she's connected to the whole world, uh, texting her friend in Regina and connecting on Facebook and people's lives all the way over in Estonia while we're on the trip. And so just her and I in the car on the way home from Saskatchewan, and I'm still competing uh, for attention. Uh, how many of us have ever ha- tried to have a conversation while the television's on? Um, I'm, this is like my confession period right here, uh, that I am probably one of the worst for this. Uh, I've learned, and Chelsea's learned now, um, actually she learned it within our first year of marriage, if I'm watching television, either don't try talking to me or shut the TV off and talk to me, um, because I only half listen. I've learned myself, if she's talking, shut the TV off and listen, because I'll only half listen, and then I'll end up saying something or that I, I shouldn't have said. Um, it's hard to have a conversation when you're watching television. Um, I think most of us guys, if you're thinking you don't have a problem with it, then I don't believe you. <laughs> um, that was as polite as I could be. Um, and so it's hard, it's hard to have a relationship, is it not? It's hard to have communication with somebody when they're only giving you half their attention. Or if you're only giving somebody half of your attention, it's really hard to understand what that person's really saying unless it's something completely insignificant and unimportant. Uh, how many of us parents have been playing, so, sorry, we're at home, and you're playing with your kids, and all of a sudden you realize, I'm not really at home, and I'm not really playing with my kids. 
Uh, I have this realization quite often, for some reason I need to keep realizing this, uh, that I'm at home and I'm playing with my three-year-old daughter, and she's coming up to me, Dad, 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 Dad. And I notice by the fourth or fifth dad that she's talking to me, even though we're playing together. And uh, so then I talk to her. More often than not, she just starts talking to me and asking me things, and I'll even say, yeah, sure, we can do that. And then ten minutes later, she's like, Dad, are we going to do this? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, we're going to do this. And the, the problem is is that I'm at home and I'm playing with my daughter, but I'm not actually at home and I'm not playing with my daughter. My heart and my, my mind are elsewhere. Uh, they're thinking about tomorrow, the things that I've got to do, all the responsibilities, or they're thinking about yesterday, the experience, or the person who said this to me. I can't believe they said this to me, and I can't let it go. And uh, my heart and my mind are elsewhere, and they're not fully engaged. They're not fully attentive uh, to, to my kids. I think we all have this problem, and I think it's incredibly difficult to have a relationship and friendship and communication with somebody unless we're giving them our full attention. This, this is a pretty obvious point, but I, the point I want to make is, I guess, just wondering this morning, and, and maybe have you wondering how God uh, maybe feels the same way sometimes in regards to his relationship with us. Uh, in our pursuit to walk with Jesus, uh, how often are we giving him half or a quarter or a tenth of our attention? And how effective uh, is his ability to lead us in our life of our ability to follow him how, is, how effective is it going to be if we're giving them partial attention? Uh, we have life groups in this church. Uh, if you've been here for more than one week, I, I hope you've heard this and you understand this. Um, but uh, all of our members are encouraged to be a part of life groups. It's a really important part of, of who we are at this church uh, for a very important and good reason. Um, and so we have small groups, and they're a pursuit of authentic, genuine relationship, accountability, uh, and strength as we, we grow towards Christ together. And uh, so we have life groups in this church. In this fall, um, you may have heard as well in the past few weeks, our life groups are focusing on the story of Jesus and doing what is called storytelling together. And so uh, this morning I wanted to share this with you and I want to practice this with you, okay? Uh, I've just started this in our group, the Young Adult Life Group, this past week. I started this with them. And so I wanted to share this with you. The storytelling, basically how this works in our groups is that somebody comes each week and they are the storyteller. And somebody different every week. It doesn't have to be somebody educated or, or well-spoken or it doesn't have to be the leader of the group. It's just every random different person in the group can take turns or, or do it if they want. Okay. And so there's a storyteller each week. What they do is they get the assigned passage this week, or sorry, this year. All of the, the passages are focused on the story of Jesus or the stories of Jesus. And so they take this story, they don't memorize it word for word, but they get familiar with it, they read it over and over and over so that they're able to tell the story in their own words from their heart uh, and share it to the group as though they've never heard the story before. So I want to try this with you, okay? So if you'll oblige me, uh, let's be a small group, a life group in our church this morning. I'm going to be the storyteller. All right. So there's this guy and his name is Jesus and he's beginning his ministry uh, over in Israel and uh, he's just begun his ministry, and he's actually standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which you see right before you here. He's standing on the shore, and he's speaking the word of God, and he's totally surrounded by people who are listening to him. They're just listening to the word of God. And he looks over, and he sees uh, two boats that are empty. And there's fishermen, the fishermen who own the boats, where they're cleaning their nets. Obviously, they've been fishing all night. And they're 
cleaning their nets. And so Jesus goes and he gets into one of these boats and he turns to the owner. His name is Peter. He says, Simon, put out to shore a little bit so that I can uh, speak to these people from the water. And so Simon puts the boat a little bit out from shore, just a little bit off of shore, so that he can speak to the people from the water. And he sits in the boat and he teaches. And it says, after, the, after he finished teaching, the people... Uh, he turned to Simon and he said, Simon, now put out into the deeper water. Let's go fishing. He said, let's go, go out to some deeper water and throw your nets in. And Simon, I imagine, I imagine him kind of quietly because maybe the people could still hear, saying, well, Jesus, you don't understand. We've been fishing all night. Uh, like, I'm a fisherman. It's my trade. And I mean, we've been fishing all night. We were just cleaning our nets even. Uh, we're done and we didn't catch anything. There's nothing to be caught right now. Um, but Peter, because Jesus said it, he did it. He went out. He said, okay, let's, let's try this, I guess. Goes, puts out in the deeper water, throws the nets in. And what happens is incredible. Uh, they start pulling in so many fish in their nets that their nets began to break. Um, they were pulling in so many fish that they had to signal their partners. Their partners are still back near shore. So they had to sig- signal them. So they weren't even within voice range. They had to signal, hey, come help us. Uh, we need need some help here with all these fish. And so they brought this other boat out. They filled both boats so full that they started to sink. And Simon Peter, a fisherman who had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything uh, and really had a hard time, I think, believing that there was any point to going out there or what it was, he fell at Jesus' feet in repentance, saying, Jesus, I am a sinful man. Please leave my presence. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence, Lord. And so he confessed and he felt, uh, felt sinful uh, before the Lord. And it even says that James and John, who were his partners, the sons of Zebedee, they were also totally astonished by what has happened, uh, that it was an incredible thing. And so Jesus turns to all of them. He says, you guys, don't be afraid. I know this is kind of weird and crazy for you. He said, from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. You're going to catch men and not fish. And then another amazing thing happens, and these, these men who were called by Jesus to follow him pulled their boats up onto shore. It says they left everything, which I would assume would be two full boatloads of fish, which to fishermen would be highly valuable. <laughs> he, they leave everything and they follow Jesus. So we read here an incredible story in our life group. Uh, sorry, that passage is found in Luke 5, 1 to 11. Um, Typically, we encourage, well, yeah. Uh, it's Luke 5, verses 1 to 11, and so uh, you can go in there and see how well I did and, or how poorly I did with that story. Uh, but following the story each week in our life groups, what we do is we have some questions and we have discussion around the story. We try to engage our lives in the stories of Jesus. And uh, some of the key things we look at are what are the ways that Jesus is discipling people in the story? What can we learn uh, and applied to our lives from the story about who Jesus is and what he teaches. And so there's two things uh, that we had discussion about this week I wanted to share with you this morning uh, that I think are important things, things that you can, we can all take and we can bring them home today with us and we can carry on into our lives while we walk with Jesus. Number one is how he discipled people. Uh, I think it's noteworthy that Jesus, um, even though he's a carpenter, he went fishing with these men. Uh, he went and he found these men and he called them to follow him within their world as sinful people. Um, he not only got into the boat, 
but he also went out fishing uh, with these men. How, how often have you, or I, I should say, or just share with you, um, when I was thinking about this, when we were having a discussion about this on Thursday night in our young adult life group, I thought to myself, how many times have I thought, oh man, I want that young person to come to youth group so that I can share Jesus with them. Or man, I wish my friend would you know, come to church with me and, and then maybe... Maybe then they could come to know Jesus. Uh, my first response or my first thought when I want to share Jesus with somebody isn't, it's almost never I need to go into their life, into their world, uh, and share Jesus with them there. Uh, it's usually I want them to come into my world where I'm comfortable, uh, where I'm familiar with everything, and then it'll be a lot easier for me. Uh, but that's not the way Jesus did it, I guess, in this story. If we're following the model of Jesus, uh, we're going into other people's worlds and we're sharing our faith uh, with them where they are. Um, second point here that I, I find uh, incredible and uh, very important from this story is uh, the fact that Jesus changes their identity. Uh, so these are fishermen that, that Jesus goes and he gets into the boat and he goes fishing with these fishermen. Uh, and the point that Jesus makes is he goes and they catch all these fish and he calls them to follow him and he says... You're no longer going to catch fish. You're going to catch men. He changes their identity. As they begin to follow Jesus, they're no longer defined by their career uh, or their profession, but they're defined by their faith and their pursuit of Christ. Um, They know themselves as fishermen, um, and everybody else knows them as fishermen. But from now on, they're going to have a different pursuit, a different goal in their life, a different thing that identifies them. Uh, we have a fall theme that Kelly's mentioned the last few weeks, and it's walking anew with Jesus. And I think it's easy, it was easy for me when I first heard it to think, yeah, that's yeah, good. But I've, I've been following Jesus for, you know, 11 years. What, like, what do you mean by walking anew with Jesus? Like, is there really something revolutionary I haven't heard yet? Um, I'm already walking with Jesus. I don't need to walk anew with Jesus. I think it's easy for us to kind of naturally just to just have this thought um, that we're already walking with Jesus. And I would argue uh, this morning that I think for many of us, I think most of you would probably agree that on a daily basis, uh, it's usually more of a struggle than anything uh, to continue walking with Jesus, to continue walking by his side. And the reason is because of Uh, Well, many things, but one of the main contributors is the world we're living in. It's the noise all around us. Um, It's the distractions. We claim as Christians to be followers of Christ. And uh, I think more days than not, I'm having a hard time finding his footsteps. I think even our families, uh, our jobs, uh, social activities, our me time, uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm noted as saying for those who know me well is, man, I just need my quiet personal time. I need my time to be able to sit on the couch at least once a week or once a month where I can just be by myself and it's for me. Um, but this can consume my life. This can become a distraction. This can become noise and clutter in my life that cause me to lose sight of the footsteps uh, of Jesus. And so some of the questions... Um, I'm hoping to raise this morning for us, even though this is a familiar subject, 
I know that most of you probably understand this already and, and are battling with this each day. Um, but a reminder can't hurt. So if we can be asking ourselves these kind of questions, and this is the point I'm trying to raise this morning, is that how, how can we hear? If we're followers of Christ, if we're pursuing and walking with Jesus, how are we hearing his voice when our lives are filled with so much noise? How can we see the guidance of God's Spirit in our lives? How can we see his guidance if we don't have our, our gaze fixed solely upon him? or our gaze fixed even partially upon him. How can we truly walk with Jesus if we can't hear his voice or see the presence of his spirit? And how can we follow Jesus if we can't see his footsteps? This young man's name is Ezra. He's seven months old, and he's a pretty incredible guy. (laughs) Now, this is my son. And uh, this past week, I had an experience with him uh, which was probably a similar experience to any of you who have kids have had before. We went to Olive Garden. I had the privilege of taking my family out to lunch on Thursday. They, they were here for something in the morning on Thursday at the building, and so we went out for lunch. So we're sitting down at Olive Garden, put them into a high chair similar to this one, and I'm not even exaggerating. We went through three. We, we got to our third high chair uh, because he's squirming so much and the, some of the buckles weren't very strong. They're kind of cracked and so he's breaking them as he's squirming around. We went to our third high chair and finally I gave up and I was like, okay, you're sitting on my lap. I'm going to hold you still. <laughs> so I grab him. I'm sitting down and within one second my knife is in his hands. And I'm holding him pretty far away, but my knife is in his hands and as I'm grabbing the knife out of his hands, my salad bowl is in his hands and just about ends up on my lap. And as I grab that away, I, he's, his hand is reaching for my water cup and I'm pushing that away. And it got to the point where Chelsea stood up with both of her hands is helping me and we're just literally shoving stuff away so I don't end up with my lunch all over me. Um, he still ended up with my napkin and actually ate most of it and I didn't notice that he had it. Um, but... The picture I get in my mind when I think about the world we're living in and when I reflect on my uh, pursuit of Christ, my struggle that I struggle with every single day to keep my, my gaze fixed solely upon pursuing Christ uh, is the picture of a seven-month-old baby or a toddler uh, basically, I want this, I want that, I'm going to get this, I'm going to eat that. Uh, we just we have things everywhere, all around us, every single day, do we not? I think for most of us, this is a huge, huge thing. Uh, our lives are consumed by so many things. It's so easy to just kind of let your guard down for a moment and then, bam. I mean, in, in terms of my Christian walk, another picture that I get even is me walking along with Jesus but spinning in circles and sometimes getting so dizzy that I'm falling over or getting completely off track, um, I am like a seven-month-old in his attention span. One of, the, uh, one of the things God teaches us all throughout Scripture is the importance of Sabbath. Uh, it's the importance of finding rest, taking time for rest, uh, to have peace and rest for your soul uh, within your life. This is an important thing for us. Um, one of the ways that I am able to, uh, luckily, I am able to practice this within my own life is, is once each year, 
I actually retreat into the mountains with my dad and my brother and my uncle. And we just escape into the mountains. There's no vehicles allowed into this area. It's incredibly hard work to get into there. Uh, But once we're there, we are there by ourselves, all alone, and there's nobody except for us in the huge mountains uh, that totally overwhelm us and make us feel tiny and small. And there's nowhere in the world, and there's no time ever in my life where I've ever felt more at peace. Like, I've, I've never felt more just calm, and just and rested in terms of um, feeling peace in my soul than when I'm in the mountains. And I've learned something over the years of doing this. The reason for this is because I've never felt closer to God than when I'm in the mountains. And then I've noticed something else. The reason I think that I'm feeling so close to God is because I don't have my computer and I don't have my sports and I don't have my email and I don't have my cell phone. Um, I have nothing there to distract me. I have nothing there to make me spin in circles. I just sit there and I'm overwhelmed hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second by how big, how beautiful, how unmeasurable God is and how powerful uh, and unexplainable. He's indescribable. My heart becomes overwhelmed. This is what I was sharing when I, in our greeting this morning when I very poorly shared my excitement. I don't think I showed it quite to be here, to get to worship God. This is the God we get to worship. Um, He's huge. Um, And so I go, go to this place every single year. This past year, not this past year, it was actually two weeks ago that I was up there. And, uh, every year I've gone up there, there's a peak that I've seen that I haven't been to. There's many peaks. But I've wanted for years to go to this peak because it had a totally different view. And so for years I've wanted to go there. Day two this year I decided I'm going to go up to this peak today. I'm finally going to do it. Um, it's going to be hard work, but i got to do it. And so me and my cousin set out early in the morning. And the experience I had that morning as I was trying to get to this peak and eventually got there uh, was seeing it from a distance. It was one of those high peaks that you could just see basically from anywhere. And so I'm seeing it the whole time. And when you're walking in the mountains, those who have done this before, and it's pretty common sense actually, um, you have to watch the ground in front of you. You can't, you can't have your head up. You can't be looking at the scenery as you're walking. It's not a nice leisurely stroll. You're looking at the ground in front of you because if you don't, you're going to fall off the mountain or you're going to break your leg or your ankle or your neck. And so I'm sitting here and I'm walking obviously kind of slowly and I'm looking at the ground in front of me. Okay, that's a good place to put my foot. I can put my foot there. Sometimes I'm even looking, what am I going to grab onto when I put my foot there that, where it looks safe but the rock slides out? Um, these are things just as you're walking along these ridges and up high in the mountains you have to always be thinking about. And so every once in a while you'd stop obviously to rest or I would stop to rest. And so I stop and then you look at the peak um, sometimes you're kind of amazed, like, oh man, the peak's getting closer, and you get excited. But this morning, it seemed like every single time I stopped and looked up, the peak was farther away, or it wasn't getting any closer. And so I, I started becoming really frustrated, kind of annoyed. I got to the point where I almost, like, I really did want to give up. Uh, if my cousin hadn't been there, I might have, but he would have made fun of me and called me a baby, or a girly man, as my brother did call me once on that trip. Um, I didn't, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. Uh, it was too hard. I wanted to reach this goal. I wanted to get to the peak. 
But man, just like how difficult it was, it was tiring me out, and it seemed like it was taking forever. Um, I think uh, I actually began thinking right away while I was in the midst of all this because of our theme is walking with Jesus. And so I'm, I actually just, as I'm walking along as I often do, I'm just thinking about uh, my faith and my life. And so I'm thinking about walking with Jesus in my life, walking with Jesus, and I'm wondering... Um, I realized how similar uh, this was to uh, my life walking with Jesus and how I think it's very similar for many of us who are walking or, or attempting to walk with Jesus in that we have a goal we want to get to. We can see the peak and we want to go there. Um, but if we, if we just simply keep our head up and, and start running for the end goal, there's things everywhere in our lives that we're not paying attention to then uh, it's pretty easy to fall off the mountain. It's pretty easy to, to sprain your ankle or your, break your neck. Um, and the, the things I'm, I'm talking about in terms of the ground right in front of you are the things that I was talking about earlier, are things that are consuming our lives, our jobs and our families. and our, uh, What is it just that makes up your daily routine every single day? Things like Facebook, like your email, like your Twitter account, uh, like just surfing YouTube or surfing the net and trying to discover a lot of random, unique, meaningless facts like all the ones I shared earlier. Uh, we're just we're doing all these things, checking up who's, who's doing what, who's doing this. These are the things uh, that are consuming our lives each day. In my message this morning, uh, I don't want you to hear me saying, and I'm cl- I want to be clear that I'm not saying that technology is a bad thing, it's evil, and we all got to get rid of everything that we have as soon as we go home today. Um, that's the opposite of what I'm saying, actually. Uh, I think the technology and the things that we have in our lives... Um, can be an incredible opportunity to glorify God. And in fact, they are. Uh, the technology we have is growing God's kingdom in a huge way. But it, when it is being used intentionally, um, I think more often than not, though, uh, all of the stuff that's in our lives, even something as simple as our job, uh, it's consuming us and it's turning our gaze away from God. It's causing us to lose sight of the footsteps of Jesus. And so my encouragement for you this morning uh, is to, to take a look at the things that are making up your routine every single day, no matter what it is, big or small, especially the little things. Because I think our lives are made up more of little things than they are big things each day that we're doing. But take a look at these things and we need to be looking for the footsteps of Jesus in these. In other words, we need to be looking for ways of, uh, even on my Twitter account, how can I be identified because I have been called by Christ. I claim to follow Christ. I am trying to pursue him. So how does that impact and affect all these little things uh, that we have in our lives? Uh, how can I represent Christ in an honorable way on Facebook uh, or at my workplace uh, or at school, uh, with whatever we're doing. Um, we need to be focused on the ground in front of us and looking for the footsteps of Jesus. And just before I close, I want to share this passage with you again. Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you, 
Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So this morning, uh, just a very simple message, but I hope an important reminder uh, for all of us as we pursue Christ, as we walk along in our lives with Christ. We need to be able to see the footsteps of Jesus. And so wherever you are, whatever consumes or, or makes up your life day to day, fix your gaze on the ground that you find in front of you and look for the footsteps of Jesus to follow.